Good morning. It's a good day today, right? Well, it's good to be here. It didn't start out that good for, for me because they had a printer uh, download corrupt file problem. It's a problem. It's still there like, 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 like that. So I have to go back and fix it. So luckily we have that insurance so you can call them and then they give you tech support and see what's going on. Might as well use it. But the problem is we have no bulletins. <laughs> so no bulletins for us and usually on our bulletins because we don't use the, the PowerPoint because uh, our, our area where we meet is not too large for a screen. So, um, so we, we have to use bulletins. So no, no bulletin, no words. So we, everybody's going to have to sing by memory. So we're going to trust in the Lord that he's going to give us a, gr- a glorious time singing together and he will show up. He, he's always there, right? He's here this morning, right? Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father. Uh, we are so glad, God, because even when things in our life, even the smallest details, Lord, we can trust in you, that you are in absolute control of all things. Father, it may not be pleasant to us. It may not be uh, something that we enjoy, Lord, but we are reminded, Lord, that even as we turn to you, God, you, you are sovereign. And you have a plan, you have a purpose. So I'm trusting, Lord, through this, you're going to be glorified. And somehow it's going to be for our good, uh, Lord. Because on the way over here, as thinking this through, Lord, uh, we thank you for uh, Google Drive. Now we can maybe upload those uh, bulletins up there. And, and then we can print wherever we may be, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, God, for wisdom. And we ask for wisdom this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is a psalm uh, of confession. And it seems the flavor of what we've been uh, sharing this morning in song and confession is, is, is confession. And uh, there's an old saying, they say, confession is good for the soul. Uh, the brother knows that, that, that phrase. And, and, and indeed it is. Indeed it is, and you'll see as we look at the, the writer of the psalmist, how this psalm of confession, this song of lament, this psalm of deep, deep sorrow, uh, he has an expectation in the midst of the sorrow, and in the midst of his lamenting, and in the midst of his confession, uh, he has a great, great expectation that redemption is present and will come. And because of redemption, there is an assurance that, that God forgives. And that God delivers his people from their dilemma, from their problem, from their troubles. So the psalmist is waiting as he, he cries out to him. So as we read this psalm, I pray and hope that you will be able to uh, uh, see that, that this is our experience as well. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for the Lord, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, abundant redemption, and he will, 
he will redeem Israel from how many of their iniquities? Some of them, only the ones that you confess, or he's going to redeem them from how many of their iniquities? All of them. The past, the present, and even the future, and this would even include the sins of ignorance, the ones that we do not even know about. They are covered. And so in this psalm, immediately we see that there is a beginning point. And if we're going to regain assurance from maybe some decision you made, some action that was uh, offensive or some sin that happened in your life, if you're going to regain your standing before God, if you're going to regain that assurance, it starts right here. As David cries out, this is the beginning point, a, a crying out to the Lord from the depths of his being, and he's crying out for the Lord to be attentive and for his voice to be heard so that he may receive mercy. He is crying out, he is crying out out of desperation. Because that's what happens sometimes. Some of the issues that we deal with, if we're not careful, they cause us to, to kind of move into a, 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 a mind of desperation. And many times people make irrational choices out of being desperate. We looked at Israel. And Israel, because they were desperate and they did not want to wait on God, and they cried out, they... They, they provoked the wrath of God. They provoked the anger of God because they turned from God and his mercy and began to worship another God. And what they did, because they wanted something in their life, they were pursuing other things in their life, they went ahead and they sacrificed. This is a horrifying thing. They sacrificed their children, literally burned them on the altar because they were desperate. And desperation causes people to do irrational things. Things that you would not do in your normal frame of mind. So David cries out out of the depths because he's desperate. He cries out out of the depths of his anguish and he calls out to God. And he says, God, let your ears be attentive. Hear me, Lord. Hear me, please. But that's where it starts. That's where it starts for the godly. It starts by going into the depths of our being so that God can go into the depths of our being and we cry out, we cry out for mercy. But the good news, brothers and sisters, the great news is that as we cry out in that situation, whatever it may be, only the Lord knows, and some of those things are hidden, some of those things are secrets. Let me just take a little side note for a second. Um, this whole social media thing has gone crazy because things have become so private now. We were having a discussion. I hope this is not R-rated because this happens. Having a discussion with a, a, a young guy, and he asked the question, is, 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 flirting, is flirting a bad thing? And first it kind of knocked me off the head, my head. I wasn't ready for that, but I said, well, yeah. You understand what the whole purpose of that stuff is. So we got into a discussion about before, you know, if you were going to be interested, you would, you know, things were public as far as that is concerned. But because of the whole social media thing, that whole area now becomes very private. Where nobody sees. 
So we think, because the one that sees all things and the one that sees has seven eyes and he roams to and fro through the earth searching and seeking is, is God. And there are times where people get themselves in trouble and, and in troubled situations because everything has become so private. You see, God knows and he, he cries out in the depths of his being and, and because he does, because he goes there, Forgiveness is found. I want us to see verses 3 through 4. He says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? O God, who could stand before you? If you were to mark the iniquities of every person, but with you, with you, God, with you, God, there is, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. that you may be feared. In his cry, in his, in his plea for mercy, he is, finding, he is finding forgiveness. Because forgiveness is found in mercy. So now what happens, there is a sense of confidence. When, when there is, when there is a, 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 an issue in our life, there's a problem, some kind of sin, some kind of unconfessed sin, Usually, many times, people struggle with their assurance with God. I don't know about you. I, I, there's times where I struggle with my assurance. And then there's moments where, I have to, where I'm at the park doing my prayer walk, and I'm, I'm saying, Lord, Lord, I, 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 know, I, I know you saved me, God. I, I know you did this. Because there's those moments where we find ourselves in situations where we begin to sometimes struggle with our assurance of our salvation and our standing with God. But you see, there is, there is, there is, there is mercy because their forgiveness is found in mercy. And one of the things that happens, brothers and sisters, is that there, there must be honesty. So now the honesty begins. The cause of the trouble, or again, we're not sure what it could have been. It, 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 was, it, it could have been a, a troubled situation. It could have been a decision. It could have been some actions that were, were pressed upon him. But this psalm is different from other psalms. Because there are psalms that deal with illness. There are psalms that deal with him being homesick, away from his, his, his place of, of, of residence. And then there's, there's psalms of persecution. This psalm is a psalm of confession, a psalm of guilt. That's what we see in verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could, who could stand, O God, who could stand? So he confesses. Look, look with me to psalm, psalm 90, verse 8. Psalm 90, verse 8. Just a few pages over. Because the living God, he, he knows all things and he sees all things. And in Psalm 90, verse 8 says, you have set our iniquities before you. So all our iniquities are before the face of the living God. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins. Our secret sins. 
in the light of your presence. So when, when David is before the presence of a holy God, there is a scrutinizing of his soul and of his person and of, of his sins. So when a person is in the presence of God and the honesty begins, then there is a, a confessing of those sins, a recognition of, of those sins. There is a, an idea and a mindset that says, I am before God, I am standing before his presence, I am in his face, and this holy God is examining my heart. And you can't escape it. David knows this. He, he wrote Psalm 139, if I go to the highest mountain, if I go to the deepest ocean, if I go to the lowest parts of the earth, he says, oh God, you are there. If I go into the, the bridge church, the bridge chapel church, he is going to be here. He's here this morning. Oh Lord, if, if we were to confess our iniquities before you. You see, we have to understand who we come face to face with. Who we come face to face with when we're in that position of, 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 of trouble and confession and, and pleading and crying out for mercy. David is confident now because he understands that as he stands before the face of God, there is abundant mercy and, and forgiveness is found. says, Lord, if you, if you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And that's the question. Even the most godliest person could not stand in the presence of a holy God without mercy, without abundant grace and forgiveness. Why is this? Why is this? I want you to see in these three verses so far, David uses the term, oh Lord, <laughs> oh Lord, because we've read it so much and we may skim through it and we just say, well, that's the Lord. It, yet, yes, he is the Lord, but we have to understand that he's using a title and the title that he's using is He's saying, you are Lord, but you are the sovereign, mighty, powerful, omnipotent God. Oh, Lord. If you, oh, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? In other words, who could survive? Who could bear your judgment upon the sins? And he's familiar with this. Let, let's just look at a couple of verses. Right? Psalm 76, verse 7. Psalm 76, verse 7. Psalm 76, verse 7. But you, speaking of God, O oh Lord, the sovereign, powerful, omnipotent God, 
But you, you are to be feared. Who could stand before you? Who could stand before you when once your anger is provoked? Once your anger is roused, who could stand before you? That is the question. And I believe this is a rhetorical question because it has a built-in answer. Because I believe the answer is no one. Nobody could stand before you, O oh God. Go to Nahum. Nahum uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Nahum chapter 1, verse 6. That's one of the minor prophets way over there towards the end. Nahum chapter 1, verse 6. All right. What, let's start with verse 2. Uh, just follow this. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. And, and I bring this out, brothers and sisters, because... Because there is sometimes an emphasis that God is loving. And yes, God is very loving. Uh, God is immensely loving. But at the same time that God is loving, God is just. And God can be provoked to anger and wrath. And so he's saying the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is an avenging the Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. And here's the good news. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Okay, do you hear that? The Lord by no means will clear the guilty. That means every sin has to be accounted for. Every sin is going to be dealt with. Every sin has to be placed under his, his judgment. His way is in a whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. And what he's trying to say is God has power. He has power, and all he has to do is command those things to happen, and they happen. Bashan and Carmel wither, the bloom of Lebanon withers, the mountains quake before him, the hills melt, the earth heaves before him, the world and all who dwell in it. Who could stand before his indignation? See the question? After reading this and getting a description of God, what answer does that leave us with? No one, not one person can stand before a holy and just and righteous God and have to bear account for our sins. Who could stand before his indignation and who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken to pieces by him. 
So this is, this is pretty heavy stuff. But at the same time, there, there, is, there is good news. Because right after that, look at verse 7. He says, the Lord is what? The Lord is good. See, see to me, the question is, what, what, side, what side do you want to be on God's grace? Because even as he mitigates and he pours out his wrath, it is still part of his grace. Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6. And in Revelation chapter 6, is a pouring out of judgment. And he's pouring out his judgment upon those that have um, not, not come to him. And, and his wrath is being poured out. And, 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 and because of that, the, the wicked and those that refuse God and rebelled against him, they're, they're trying to find some relief. But I want us to see the description of, of what happens and how God acts on his person, who he is. Verse 15 says, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, and everyone, slave and free, what are they going to do? It says they, are going, they, they hid themselves in the caves. Now why are they hiding themselves in caves? What are they running from? They hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling, calling to the mountains and the rocks. Now they're under such extreme, extreme pressure. They're even screaming out to the rocks. They're even screaming out to the mountains. And what are they, what are they screaming out? They're screaming out. They're saying, fall in us. Oh, mountains, rocks, fall in us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They are trying to find relief. They are trying to find some kind of relief from this wrath of God. Verse 17 says, For the great day of their wrath has come. It's coming. And who can stand? Who? Is there anybody here that believes they could stand? I, I, I would like to see. Who could survive? That's why they're calling the rocks and the mountains to fall on them because they're, they're trying to escape the wrath and fury of God. Go back to Psalm 130. Go back to Psalm 130. See, David is saying, Lord, if, 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 you, if you were to mark our iniquities, who could, es who could escape? Who, who could stand? 
if he was to hold accountable every person, their, the past sins, and even the most godliest person could not stand. Who is able to pass through his judgment? See, that's why he cries out for mercy. He understands if it's not for mercy, if it's not for the mercy that covers, the mercy that, that atones, the mercy that covers all our iniquities, who, who could stand? The good news is, brothers and sisters, there's hope. There is abundant hope. When the godly cry out for mercy, there is great hope. Because God does not keep the record of our sins. In the psalm, it says he takes our sins and he casts them into the deepest, where? Ocean to, to remember them no more. I think Paul understood this. That's where his theology comes from. His theology comes from his understanding of God. Romans 4.25 Please turn there, Romans 4.25. Because, because he uses the life of Abraham. And, and Abraham is part of their history. They, they, they went, he's, he's going down a history memory lane here and he's bringing up, he's bringing up Abraham. Because in Abraham, there is there is. Deep, deep understanding of God and the covenant that he made with Abraham. And that covenant carries all the way to eternity. Chapter 4, starting with verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, speaking of, speaking of Abraham. Right? Remember, he, he believed God, and because he believed God, God accounted to him, gave him the credit of, of righteousness that, that, that he did not have. So you might say, well, that's good. That's great. Good, good for Abraham because, boy, he needed it. Well, guess what? You do too, and I need it as well. But, but look what it says. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteous because he was fully convinced and believed the promise of God. Fully convinced and believed the promise of God. Because if you read the verse before that, verse 21 says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Now verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him. Now, now I, hope, I hope you take this and receive it. The, the words that, that says that was counted to him were not written 
for his sake alone. In other words, it wasn't just for Abraham. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. It wasn't for his sake alone, but for who? But for who? But for ours also. This is for us. Those words, it was counted to him, wasn't only for his sake alone, but for ours also, so it would be accounted to us who believe, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our what? Justification. And if you understand in a real short summary of that term, justification is like, like I didn't sin. You are declared not guilty. You were, you were convicted of the crime. You were guilty of your sins. But in the term justification, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the, the, the anvil comes down and says, you're free to go. The price has been paid. The wrath and the anger and all the fury of God, where did it go? Where did it go? It was placed on his son, Jesus. Jesus bore the wrath of God for you and for me. So when the question comes up, who could stand? There's only one that stood up for us. And because he did, Jesus, the Lord, the Christ, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised up for our justification. So that as we stand before a holy God and a righteous God who has to mete out the judgment, divine judgment, as he does that, the words come across, not guilty. Price paid. There is hope, brothers and sisters. When the godly cry for mercy, because God does not keep a record of our sins, the record has been expunged. And it was placed on his son, who was the, 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 scape, the scapegoat to, to take our sins away. And because of this, the psalmist says that in you, God, there is forgiveness of sins. Go back to Psalm 30. Go back to Psalm 30. But with you, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness of sins. Full forgiveness. Not just some. Not just for a couple. But, but for every sin you can imagine. Now let me ask you this question. Does everybody appreciate forgiveness? Right? I mean, let's just, let's just take it down here where we live, right? 
Let, let's say you do something wrong and maybe the parents or a friend or somebody's not too happy. And, and, you, and, you, and you sense it and you, you feel it. Because they're not talking to you or maybe they want to avoid you a little bit and you're like, wow, wow, I don't, I don't really like this because they're kind of staying away from me. But when you talk it out and they tell you, you know, what you did, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. What does that do for you inside? Does it make you happy? Does it make you feel, feel good about that, that relationship? It, it should. It, it should. But after that happens, after that transaction takes place, what, what, is, the purpose, is the purpose just to get forgiveness? Okay, I got what I want. I'm done, so I can just go on and do whatever I want to do now. Is that, is that the purpose? And, and, and I bring that up because is, is the purpose of David just to get, to, to get for forgiveness? Is that, is that where the buck stops? Is that where the end of the road is, just, just to get forgiveness? No. He says, the purpose of the forgiveness is that you may be feared. In other words, the, the godly respond, as they re, receive forgiveness, they respond in in the fear of God. And I'm not talking about a fear that you, you walk around that you're, you, oh, I gotta, I gotta watch every move. No, we're talking about a fear that, that, that is out of love, out of respect, out of what we call deep reverence for God. And, and would not that be the correct way to respond to, to a person that has given you abundant forgiveness and kindness? See, it's not a, it's not a fear that, that you have to kind of cringe and walk around uh, flinching all the time that God's going to smash you like, a, like an ant. No, it's a fear that is deeply, deeply based in love and reverence for God. Because this God who is holy and righteous and just was willing to forgive. So God forgives in order that he may be feared. And for me, I think that's one of the areas, brothers and sisters, we have to grow in is the fear of God. And maybe because the, the, the whole fear idea has been a little distorted with, with, with things that have gave us the idea that fearing God is to, to be afraid and walking down with your head down. No, no, we fear God out of love and respect and deep reverence for him. And because of that, this will move you into being a faithful, obedient worshiper of God. Standing before a holy and righteous God with the ability to faithfully come, obey, because you, you want to not only obey, but to worship him, to worship God. In other words, we just don't fear God because he's going to judge you. He's going to judge. He's, he's going to uh, you know, pour out his anger one day. But we fear God because his, his great, great love 
this great, great forgiveness. I, I rather sit and worship under that than to walk around the, all of my life flinching over God. Oh Lord, if you should mark my iniquities, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness. So that you may be Father, we come before you in this holy moment that we may experience your great, great love and forgiveness. But God, there is another side to you that is dangerous, <laughs> that is horrifying. And the picture, Lord, is so, so terrifying that people one day will run. And they will hide, Lord. They will try to hide as, as much as they can. They'll even cry out for the mountains and the rocks to, to cover them because of your wrath. Oh, God, we thank you that with you there is mercy and great forgiveness. And it's not just so that we can come and feel good and to get some kind of a, somewhat of a little therapeutic encounter with you, Lord. Although forgiveness will help us and, and it does relieve us of many things in our lives. Our past, our present, and even how we are able to approach the future. Lord, this forgiveness is so that we may, we may fear you and become faithful, obedient worshipers. So I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here. Oh God, we know that you have come and you have met with us today. You are calling them, Lord, into a deeper, deeper understanding, Father, of their great salvation. That they may understand, Lord, the depths of mercy and the depths of forgiveness that they have received. So that they will continue to be faithful, they will continue to be obedient, and they will continue to be worshipers of the living and true God. So I pray, O oh God, that we will just be able to celebrate and give you glory this morning. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for abundant grace and mercy. If you, O oh Lord, should mark our iniquities, O oh God, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And you all say, amen.